Welcome to Gumbo Tuesday. Uh, I'm Judah Newman. I'm Jeff Sal. So I guess we'll give you guys a big uh, like overview of our like goal with this. Um, so um, earlier this weekend I walked into the kitchen. Jeff was cleaning dishes. And Jeff turns to me and he goes, Yo, let's, let's make a podcast. So, um, you know, I thought Jeff was mostly joking then. Kind of silly thing, you know, we say dumb shit to each other all the time. Alright, to be fair, I was like, you know, 80% joking, but... But then I was thinking are. about it a bit more, and I was like, you know what I mean, Jeff could make a podcast. Like, it's just like sitting there and talking about shit, and we're like pretty interesting people, and the people in the world need to know, you know, our thoughts on things. So, um, yeah, here so we here, are. Here we are. Uh, we're sitting at the hospital cafe. Um, I think it's officially called the Kitchen at Billings. So every Tuesday, me and Jeff frequent the global phenomenon known as Gumbo Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So Gumbo Tuesday has, you know, it started out as a small thing, but has really uh, grown. The hospital cafeteria makes a mean chicken and sausage gumbo. Sells it for, I think it's like two dollars. Yeah, it's like two twenty nine or something like that. Um, Definitely the best deal on campus for lunch, like by far. Um, and then they also sell cornbread. Well, today we actually uh, had a special surprise. Yeah, the cornbread is a little smaller than normal. But that's alright. Still tastes good. So basically, uh, that's the plan. We'll be uh, recording a podcast every Tuesday from the hospital cafe, where it'll just be uh, us talking about random shit, giving our thoughts on different things. Um, you know, we're kind of new to this, so we'll appreciate like all feedback we get and hopefully improve our uh, dialect skills as we go. So uh, bear with us. Yeah, and if you guys have like, connections to Blue Apron or something, we're trying to get sponsorships, so. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know if you guys have heard the uh, podcast about Dudes We Fuck, but ours is loosely uh, based off of that, very loosely. Like, loosely in the sense that they're a podcast and we're a podcast. That's 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 uh, that's where we draw the line. Yeah. So um, now that we've given you guys a bit of background, I don't know if Jeff had some things you wanted to talk about this week. Or... Um. You know, just basic stuff. Like, I'm just trying to. I did my laundry the other day. Right. I brought it back up to my room. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I didn't really have time to fold the laundry, so now the laundry is just sitting on my bed. Pretty sure Judah's a pretty, uh, he, he, knows, he knows me well enough to know this is something I do a lot. Um, I'm just wondering if other people also have this issue where they just don't fold their laundry and instead they just sleep on top of it. So I think um, this issue is very related to like the size of your bed, right? So like, when you have a small bed, almost impossible to do this. Because then you're just like sleeping in your clothes. But when you have a bigger bed, you know, you can have more space. I think this is something that I actually personally never struggle with this because <laughs> I'm not a fucking slob. <laughs> but um, I mean, if you go to Ken's room, I feel like he or Ken or like Eric or something like that. Mm-hmm. They just their clothes are just all okay. over the place. Well, that's worse because that's dirty clothes generally. I guess yeah. Um, They're just throwing their dirty laundry all over the place. But I think like there's a uh, I don't know there's a uh, there's this photo I actually think of on the internet where it goes like, oh, everyone has this chair where all the clothes are like mm-hmm. stacked on top of it. Yep. I also have that chair. It's just the chair isn't big enough. So all my laundry goes on the bed too. I think um, my uh, laundry habits are something that have changed a lot during my time in college. 
Really? And I think they're largely based to how much underwear and socks I own. Mm. That's a limiting factor, right? Like if you don't have underwear and socks. Well, you, I think you when I do first started doing laundry, the limiting factor was like I only had like. Oh, this is definitely the case in high school. Uh-huh. I only had like four shirts I liked, <laughs> so just would only want to wear those shirts because I think in high school I got like I was really into like how attractive I am depending on what clothes I wear. Yeah. And then I was like, so you, you don't you don't still think that? Well. So I thought that for a long time. And then there was one time in high school, I was watching um, the I Love College music video by After Ross. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this dude is like pretty attractive. He's like looking pretty good here. And all he's wearing is like a t-shirt and a sweater. You don't think that's because like he's hosting this like cool party or whatever and there's a bunch of girls around? Okay, okay, but like let me finish like my logic. Right. okay. And so then I was like, well, I started thinking a bit more, I think like my freshman year of college about this. Um, and that like I feel like, oh, I had some conversations with someone where they're like, yeah, you can just like, really attractive outfit is a dude in jeans and a white t-shirt. And I was like, but man, like, bitches love bun dance, like, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of like a model I live by. Um, I just think as I've gotten older, I just care a lot less about what I wear. I think I'm the exact opposite. Like back in middle school and stuff, I was wearing just like okay, well, jeans and a hoodie. Back in middle school, a look that I thought was really good for me was oh, because a uh, long sleeve shirt with a short sleeve shirt over it. Which is clearly like one Wait, of what? the worst <laughs> possible looks ever. I did you know like... Yeah, um, no, I, I, I can imagine what you're saying. I think but... I was inspired by like uh, 2005 Avril Lavigne. Uh, you, were model- Boy. you were modeling no, no, no. fashion the, sense after. The music video Skater Boy has this dude who wears a long sleeve shirt, both cotton long sleeve shirt, and then short sleeve shirt over it. That's really questionable. Um, so, you know, well, I also, during this period of my life, had hair down to my shoulders. So, it's clearly just making questionable decisions all around. You can go your hair down to your shoulders? You never knew about this? No. I had hair like down to here. What? Yeah. Dude, you should do that again. Definitely not. No, do it again. There's actually um, there's a photo of it. Uh, I'm going to show Jeff this right now. We'll put the, the link to this photo uh, in the bio. But um, it was my older brother, Jake. He was, well, this was much worse for him because he was in high school when all of this happened. And I was in third grade. But he grew his hair down to his shoulder. And being the, like, dumb younger brother that I am, wanted to emulate him. So I then also grew my hair down to my shoulders. And, you know, I'm not going to say that was my peak. <laughs> but it was probably my peak. It's pretty cute. It was not, it was, I got, I also was like young, so not very good about washing my hair. Okay, here's a good question for you. When did you start making the transition from taking baths to showers? Very early. Like, I don't even remember taking baths. So you're like a three-year-old and you're taking showers? I mean, I don't really remember much from my three-year-old. So, for a while, like, I showered like, with my parents in the shower. Oh, you showered with your parents? Yeah. I, I remember, like, well, with my dad. Like, if I, I always just took a bath, and then something that would happen a lot with me is I'd get lonely while I was taking a bath, so I'd make my dad come and hang out with me while I was taking a bath. Yeah. 
and we play this game that involves throwing a tennis ball up and over the shower rod and down back to the other person. And it was like almost like a version of tennis where their net was uh, like the shower rod. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can get this photo up. Yeah, I think I stopped taking... Oh yeah, here it is. Hmm? Oh my god. Is that Jake in the middle? Yeah. Man, Jake looks kind of goonish. <laughs> That's after Jake. Jake, if you're listening to this, you look much better now. That was 10 years ago. Man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so I think I started taking my own showers like right around when I entered elementary school. Like six years old, five, six years old. I don't know. I know. I don't think I really started thinking about hygiene until. I know. When did you first buy deodorant? Oh, that's a good question. I think I first bought deodorant in like. I want to say middle school, but I, I feel like definitely it, middle school for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I do remember my fourth grade teacher told me or told our class that everyone should start using deodorant. Um, I guess she was just she hated smelly kids. I don't know, but I think I don't think I don't think I bought it that early. I think I bought deodorant for the first time in fifth grade. Pretty sure I bought Light Guard. Oh, it was when I was at tennis camp in fifth grade. Mm. And this dude told me I smelled bad. And he was like in ninth grade. And then I went home that day and made my mom buy me deodorant. And then, you know, wore deodorant ever since then. Yeah. And then I think, I'm trying to think like, once I started going to high school, I definitely, in high school, I was definitely showering every day. But uh, before that, definitely not. Really? Well, I would. I can't. Like, I can't. I can't go to bed if I don't shower. I definitely like to shower when I would have like practice or something. But like, I would like in middle school, I like played soccer and basketball. But like after like practice, I would shower. But we didn't have practice every day. I don't know. Just, you know, wasn't a very conscious individual back then. So, in case, you know, we don't really know who our listener base will be yet for this podcast, <laughs> but um, I guess we should give you a bit more background about uh, me and Jeff in case you're not, like, one of the four people who we made promise would listen to us because they're our close friends. So, me and Jeff are both seniors at the University of Chicago. I guess uh, I'm from New York City. Jeff is from... Uh, from Edison, New Jersey. Edison, New Jersey. Shout out Edison. Majority of the population of Asian descent. Yeah, a lot of Asians where I'm from. Um, uh, we are both going to be, you know, transitioning off into the real world soon. Leaving college, leaving the comfort confines. Yeah, Jude is a little bit more ready for that than I am. He's already got this job lined up. I don't know what that means. But. Yeah, who knows what that means. <laughs> um, both of us play Ultimate Frisbee. 
for the University of Chicago. We are in fact actually both captains. Um, we also both play for the Chicago Wildfire, which also the podcast. Uh, Bumpa, uh, I think it's called Bringing the Heat with yeah. Dennis Michelson. I don't know if they still do podcasts. I bet they don't. Um, yeah, so basically what we do is play frisbee and go to school. That's about the extent of that's what pretty, we do. That's pretty much our entire lives. Other people are like, oh, what do you guys do with your free time? And I guess the other thing we do is we watch videos on YouTube. Yeah. So if any of you guys can relate to that, that's always a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's really just a pretty wide range of YouTube videos, you know, like, I think most recently we've been into Vine compilations. We've also been into tennis recently, we've been watching oh, a yeah, lot of man, tennis. Dude, tennis is crazy. All you tennis players out there, I'm, I'm impressed. Man, that was one of the things, so, like, my grandfather was really into tennis, and so he always, like, pushed it on my dad and his sister, mm-hmm. and so they, like, hated tennis. But I think in another life, I could have been really into tennis. Yeah. Tennis, like, it's just like ping pong, but bigger. And ping pong's like kind of the shit. Another thing, I think a lot of my middle school life was defined by the fact that we got a ping pong table in our house. And I just would play ping pong with my family so much and just got way too into it. I wish I had a ping pong table in my house. One of the things that definitely uh, defines me as a person is I'm just way too competitive about everything. Like I remember I would get into fights with both my dad and my older brother. Like sometimes we're like when I was younger and I thought they were letting me win and would get really mad about it. <laughs> I was so one of my best so my best friend from like middle school uh, had a ping pong table and I would always go over to his house and we would play. And like, he was usually better than me. But then there are some times where I feel like if he wasn't winning, like he, he'd be like you, right? He'd be like super pissed about not yeah. winning and stuff. And so sometimes if I was like winning too much, I would actually just, I would, I would actually just ease off and like, oh yeah, hey, you won this one. Well, that was one of the things about, so I have a twin brother, Isaiah, uh, very different from me, not very motor coordinated. Not to say <laughs> I am very motor coordinated, but more motor coordinated than him. <coughs> and so him like being my twin brother, like, I always, like, would try and get him to do shit with me, right? Like, people imagine, like, having a twin brother is, like, having a best friend all the time. Well, not really my best friend, but it is, like, someone to do stuff with, which is nice. So I would always have a day to, like, maybe play ping pong with me or play video games with me. But the problem was, like, just, like, all this stuff kind of came more naturally to me than it came to him. And so, like, I remember there this game we played, oh, it was, like, NFL Street. Great game. NFL Street, really, really good game. But I would just like constantly destroy him. And I would still like always have to try and get him to play with me. But then he would like get frustrated because he could never win and wouldn't want to play. And so like I remember I figured out that if like every six games I let him beat me, that was like a good enough balance that it would work out. And honestly it's fucking dumb because I should have like for some reason, like there would always be a couple times when he would like actually get close to beating me when I was crying, and then my ego would like completely take over, and I'd get way too into it. So it was just like, it's something I struggle. So means that for both uh, captains of our team, and so something I struggle with a lot during practice is like letting my ego take over, and so like times during like break mark, if like someone who I think is worse than me, like like does something good or like I'm messing up it just like gets to me really bad I'm like god I have to fuck this kid up now yeah. well like I remember like this one time I got like hand blocked 
by um, Isaac Harris, and I was like, oh, like now I gotta completely take over, and just like gotta like not let my ego get the best of me. I mean, yeah, it's kind of tough, right? Where like you feel like you're way better than some people, and you always have, you feel like you have to perform up to a certain standards. So you just always want to, you know, keep that self-image of yourself where you're you're good, and if you're not if you're not performing well, then you're not you're not good anymore, right? So it's about consistency, I guess. Yeah. You know, just keep keeping making sure that you the way you see yourself is the way you actually are. Yeah, it's uh, it's like. I've been doing this uh, meditation recently about like sports and communication and like the biggest thing that they're like is like just becoming more okay with like the fact that like things don't always I guess this is something like always in life but things don't always have to like go your way like just being like I like yeah, okay. shit, shit happens right yeah you know? but it's also talking about just being like I don't know something I've been thinking about of late is like why we're so scared of like being vulnerable and all this different stuff and just being like able to be like yeah being vulnerable is like chill like that's fine and like that feeling is actually something you should like push into what do you so like in terms of like being vulnerable is scary because like you have the option of getting hurt right okay yeah like when you put yourself out on the line or like okay like i guess like an easy way to talk like asking a girl out right it's scary because you're like making yourself vulnerable and sure. so people are like scared of doing that because there's a chance of like rejection or being hurt. Um, and so, like one of the things that I've been doing with meditation is it's really about like being more in touch with what your feelings are. So it'll make you like think of a time that you're vulnerable, and then like really ex- like get that feeling and like really identify what that feeling is. More. Like they're like. I guess like it's kind of hard to explain this but like I've done it with like other feelings too like appreciation or happiness and they're all like you can kind of like feel it in your body and you can start to like recognize what that feeling's like yeah so like I guess I'm like gonna try and describe this but it doesn't make sense so an example of this is like appreciation and like I did like a 10 day series of meditations on appreciation and it started like recognizing what appreciation feels like so they would like prime you by being like, okay, think about appreciation, what are you feeling? Think about appreciation, what are you feeling? And kind of get you to recognize what that feeling like really in your body, like what it physically feels like? Is that what you're saying? It's like or? kind of physically, but it's also like, <laughs> yes. Physically is, and emotionally? It is physically and emotionally. Because okay. like, if I had to describe what it was, it was like this feeling of like, something coming outward from me towards another people, person with like, warmness. Yeah. Right, it's not an actual like, tangible thing I can describe. Right. Right? But like, you can, I mean, you can like kind of this, right though, right? Because like people, I mean, we, we all have felt appreciation it, at right. one point. So I think it is a tangible thing, I just wouldn't really know how to describe it. Sure. And so it's trying to like better identify that tangibility. Okay. Um, and so one thing is like vulnerability is one of those things that we really don't need, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the idea that if you become more identifiable with what that feeling is uh-huh. and how that's just a feeling just like appreciation is a feeling and everything else is a feeling and all those things are like transient that you can become more okay with being vulnerable and also it wants you to recognize that like sometimes being vulnerable has like I guess you could call them bad outcomes where you are rejected but sometimes it also has really good outcomes and we like let vulnerability often be associated with those like bad outcomes but like Basically, it's just like making you more aware of vulnerability, which makes you more accepting of it. 
So do you think this holds for, is this like specific to vulnerability do you think or could it also be applied to other, you know, quote unquote negative emotions like stress? Well, it definitely could be applied to other ones, but I think vulnerability is a really good one because I think vulnerability is all about only a negative emotion because we're projecting outcomes. So like uh, anger is a negative emotion yeah. that is a response to something. Okay. Where, so like, I think that has to be like handled kind of differently. Yeah. Where like vulnerability is you're feeling something because of what you're projecting into the future about what might happen. Yeah, I guess the point is you don't know what might happen. Right. And so like being able to like move past that like is like something we can. Do. I don't know how we started. To, oh, right, right, right. So let me relate this back. So like basically it's that like. You have to be more aware of your emotions and accepting of them, and that will make you more comfortable with them, and not let them control you. Yeah. So like, what we were talking about with Fizby is related to how I let like my ego end up controlling my actions. Yeah. And so, if you become more okay with this feeling of like, right, like where's that ego coming from? It's coming from like, some like, I guess like disappointment in yourself and like wanting to show that you're like better and if you become more okay with like those feelings then they don't like dictate your actions as much and you can just more like recognize a feeling and accept it rather than letting it dictate right and so like we'll often let like vulnerability like stop us from doing something whereas if you are more like accepting of it it'll rather you can be like, okay, like this might be like vulnerability here, but that's okay, and I'm not gonna let that dictate my action. Yeah, so this is something that my mom's talked to me about a lot. Um, so my mom, like, I guess a few years ago, my mom and dad uh, got pretty into Buddhism. Um, they've, they've gone to a few retreats here and there, and something that my mom's talked to me a lot about is uh, how you shouldn't ever be too emotional in either direction, you like either good emotional or bad emotional. You should try and live your life sort of on a, on like a happy medium almost, right? Like you don't want, like so some people, I think, me personally, I think that having peaks and valleys is just like what life, you know, kind of is about. Like there are going to be good times in your life and there are going to be bad times in your life and that's just like what it is. But my mom, what my mom's point here is that like you should try and eliminate those peaks and valleys and make it more of a plateau um, because uh, you don't want to be as susceptible to like uh, you know feeling really happy about something because um, if you're feeling really happy about something then you can also feel really sad about something the same thing right so like, yeah um, well I think so a- I guess this idea of like this is something I struggle with too. Because I think like the peaks are really nice. Right, right? exactly. So that's, still, so that's why I. Still wanna, but so I think um, part of the idea behind these peaks and valleys with this plateau thing is that, and I don't know, like maybe your mom's coming from a different place, but this is my understanding, is that like peaks and valleys are transient. Sure. And so if you can come to some sort of deeper space or understanding that lets you separate yourself out from those peaks and valleys, uh-huh. you have more of a neutral, like, you have a, I guess it's like, a non-transient peak. Yeah. Right, you should make it a plateau. Yeah, I think the point is to kind of elevate that plateau as high as you can, but also not to, you know, fall victim but it, to it, those like, peaks and it's valleys. Part, it's like, recognizing that, like, a peak is a transient thing, and so that, like, 
But like, if you think about those times when you're really happy, yeah. like, where that happy, where those peaks coming from, and like making it so that's like, right? So like, think about like, for example, I feel like my peaks come from like when I feel like really close to another person or like feel like a really meaningful connection. Yeah. And so like, just making those meaningful connections more like just like something. I know it's hard to separate out like external and internal things. Like, you know what I mean by that is like, you know, is your peak coming from an internal feeling or an external feeling? And I think the idea kind of is that a lot of our peaks and valleys come from external things okay. that you don't have control over, right? And so because you don't have control over that, you don't have control over your peaks and valleys. So rather you don't have control over your feelings either. You don't have control over your feelings. And so the idea is rather that like, by this plateau, you're kind, of, you're kind of normalizing these peaks and valleys to something that you can control. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just I, get, I guess I always get caught up on the fact that I at the same time. So at the same time, with if you're eliminating these valleys, right, and staying on a plateau, you're also eliminating the peaks. So it's like it's like you can't ever. You won't ever experience like the highs of life if you're also taking out the lows, um, and that's I guess that's kind of just the point where I well, I don't think it's that you I don't think it's that you won't experience the highs, but your experience of the highs will be different. And so, so like, let me kind of ground this in an example. Like, say you feel a high because somebody else like has feelings for you, right? And so. There you're feeling a high from an external thing, right? Okay. Uh, where rather what you do is in reframe that high or peak in terms of an internal thing. Sure. And so like, rather than it being like about an external thing, it's an internal thing. So it's not that you're not feeling the high. It's that like, the high is framed in a different way about something you have control over. How, okay, so, how, so, how, I, so how would I guess, you this I guess like, let's think about it. So, say, I guess, like, I, I feel like I something I think about a lot is romantic relationships, so I'm like framing all of this in romantic relationships. But let's look at a scenario. So, say you want to like go ask a girl out, right? And there's like, well, I guess there's infinite outcomes, but two real outcomes. Like, she says yes or no, right? <laughs> and so, you can imagine if she says yes, you feel a peak, or if, you, if she says no, you feel a valley, okay. right? And so that's if you're letting like these external things drive what you're right. doing. But say instead you turn this into an internal thing, and I don't know it's kind of hard to frame, but like rather than peaking or valleying, you plateau, kind of based on your like. Is it that you don't like have expectations for what's going to happen and how you're going to feel afterwards? Well, I think like one is that, but it's also just like regardless of either outcome, you're still like focused on yourself and like the meaning that you throw from yourself so if you said yes like cool like now you have other things it's like basically what it is is be very present in the moment yeah. right and so that yeah. moment right so like normally that high that comes with it is like oh you're now like projecting all these things into the future because she said yes right yeah and so and that's where that high is coming from or the no is like, oh, now there are all these other things that like maybe you were projecting that aren't gonna happen. But all of that is about 
projecting, right? I guess to push back on that a little bit, it's like what she says, yes or no, could just be a reflection of, you know, your own self-worth, right? Like you, you could you could think that if she says yes, oh, that means I'm really, you know, that means my self-worth is high. Like I, I, I am a good person. But, so I I think, but I think that's the like a misdirected projection of your self-worth. If you're depending your self-worth on whether or not a girl said yes or no to going on a date with you, I think that's problematic to start with. Maybe, but it's like every you know we live in a social society, right? Where other people's right, opinions but I matter. Think, I think like recognizing that like her decision is like she has no idea who you are as a person. Like, yeah, sure. There's so many things like that, like making like that kind of judgment there. Those are making things off of so many things in the past that are maybe different from like. So maybe it's not like a whole sweeping, you know, self worth thing, but it's like it's at least a part of you know who you are, right? That she's saying yes or no to. Presumably, I mean, like you're attracting this in this. Yeah, but I feel like okay. So I guess let me finish where I was going. And so basically, the idea is like rather than letting yourself get in these peaks or valleys about things that happened in the present or the past, I think plateau is kind of the right, the wrong word. But you're on a plateau of just being like present with those feelings in the moment. And so yeah, if she says no or yes, you might have like a feeling in that moment. But rather than letting that get like carried away, you're just present with actually what you're feeling rather than like projecting that. So is it that you're not really feeling these emotions but you're aware of them? So that is like one idea. Okay. Okay, so like one idea is that we really have very minimal control over what, what we, we feel or yeah. think on a minute-to-minute basis. Yeah. And so this is something that's like kind of I struggled with until I really started meditating a lot. Uh, that like I was like I do have control over what I think about. But really, one of the big things is like separating out you as a thinker from your thoughts, and that really your thoughts are just popping, popping in, popping in, popping in, popping in, and that you actually have no control over them, and that there's like we construct narratives around that, but that's not. Um, so one of the things is kind of like separating yourself from feelings or thoughts. But I think the idea is just like that you live a more, I don't know, I want to say a more like present life when you're just like present with those things rather than deriving emotions from projecting. But like, I don't know about like you or everyone but like I often get carried away like trying to project things into the future, like plan things out, right? Which I think is like some like planning is like, right? But you like, there's like normal amount of like, oh, like here's what I'm gonna do today, here's what I have to prepare to that. Well, like making all these different scenarios in your head about like different things that could happen. Where like, there's um, this Hidden Brain podcast where they talk about like how we're actually just so awful at, at predicting what we actually yeah. want. Well, predicting what we actually, just predicting the future in general. Yeah. Like, so it's funny, I do this thing where. I journal, right? So, like, first half of my journal is normally, like, what happened today, things I'm thinking about, and then the last two or three things will be, like, oh, here's what I think is going to happen tomorrow. And pretty much every time, what I think is going to happen tomorrow, not in line with what actually happens tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so, it's just, like, saying, like, rather than, like, being caught up in all this other stuff, like, let's just be present in these moments, and that, like, gives us more control. I know, it's something I'm still, like, working through the thought behind it and definitely not the most knowledgeable one but I think I don't know I do struggle with like you said that thing about like not feeling the peak but I think it's like <laughs> it's not not feeling the peak it's just like not letting the peaks and valleys control you 
and more being in a... If, I just think it's like the peaks and valleys come from projections where if you're more just like present in the moment, that's much more of a plateau. And so like when you're feeling sad, like maybe a small amount of that is like something that's going on in the moment, but it's a lot of that sadness is about like projecting into the future, projecting into the past, and that's what lets that feeling magnitude into a real valley, rather than just being, here's a thing I'm feeling in my body at this moment. Because if you think about the range of emotions or thoughts you have on a day and how transient they are, rather than like letting something take over it. That makes sense. I guess one thing that my mom told me like just recently was about how she, so she used to be a pretty big Yankees fan. I still am a pretty, pretty big Yankees fan, but uh, she's like stopped caring about them recently and she, uh, I guess, she told me she feels way better about it because, um, so she gave the example of the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the, <laughs> the 2004 ALCS when the Red Sox came back from 3-0 down and how she was just miserable after, that, after, the, after the Yankees lost that series because um, she cared so much about them winning and how she would like avoid you know, radio shows that talked about it or TV, uh, TV and newspaper headlines. Um, so it seems to me that when, when she says that she is happier for not caring about the Yankees anymore is that she's happier that she doesn't have to experience these lows. Um, but you know, whereas, whereas my take on this is that that's like part of the joy of being a sports fan is that you get to experience these lows. I, don't, I, I just think that it's like really cool. Like obviously it sucks that, that the Yankees lost, right? And it sucks that I, I have to feel sad right. and hurt so about think- it. But, but, but I think it's like, it's just part of the experience to feel that sort of emotion, right? I think that's just yeah, part of I would, the human I would, experience. I would agree with that. But I think, like, it seems like for your mom, it was a love that she let, like, completely take over her and that she didn't have control over. And so, like, well, yeah, maybe it's part of the experience. Maybe being a Yankee fan was something your mom, like, wasn't able to, like, have control over. And so it was something that took, it, like, took over her and so she had to remove herself yeah. from that. Like, I remember when that happened, I, like, woke up the next day and, like, remembered what had happened and was, like, crying and didn't want to go to school because yeah. I was, like, oh, all the Boston fans at school are going to, like, make fun of me. Boston fans are in New York. There were a couple kids who were, like, Red Sox fans. Um, and I was just, like, oh, mom, like, please don't make me go to school. Please don't make me go to school. I really don't want to go to school, mom. Uh-huh. And went to school. But, right, like, that was me, like, and, like, going to school, of course, was fine. But that was me, like, projecting something about the future, like, letting this thing affect my actions. Yeah. I guess if you can just, like, enjoy the emotions without having, having them control how you feel, like, you know, down the line, maybe, maybe that's, that's where you draw the line between feeling peaks and valleys versus I mean, I think the, there's gonna be... I don't know, I feel like the way we're phrasing with like peaks and valleys and plateaus is kind of weird. But I think there's going to be like ups and downs, no matter what. Uh-huh. But it's more about just like recognizing them and accepting them than letting them grow into like huge things. And so it's more like managing the magnitude of the ups and downs of the peaks and valleys rather than letting them like get out of control. Yeah. Okay, so I should probably go to class soon. Alright. So, probably, uh... 
I, yeah, a couple of thoughts. Yeah. One, podcasting is pretty tough. I realize when we normally have lunch, they're more like silences. Yeah, there's a lot, more, there's a lot more dead time. Um, like I think when we stopped our like first thing and transitioned to the second thing, I was like, uh-oh, like we're being silent. Like I have to think of something, I have to think of something. Where, so shout out to everyone who like podcasts out there. And, like, Well, I'm sure they they come way more prepared. We just came here like, oh, here's a couple topics. Let's just shoot the shit. Yeah. Like they have things that they actually talk about. Yeah, so bear with us as we get better with uh, the format. How, how are we going to try and upload this stuff? Where, where are we going to... We can upload it to SoundCloud. We can do SoundCloud. Yeah. We'll check out uh, Facebook. We'll figure it out. Yeah. It'll, we'll, we'll get this up and out to the people. Um, so, I guess, what is today? This is... Uh, it's the 14th. November 14th. Jenny Wang's birthday. Shout Jenny out Wang's to a friend of the pod, yeah. Jenny Wang. Happy birthday, Jenny. Um, happy birthday, Jenny. Um, we will see you guys next week. Back at Gumbo Tuesday. Uh, hopefully they've resolved this whole corn muffin issue. Uh, honestly, and these corn muffins were delicious. Okay, I, I like these way more. You like them more than the corn? Yeah. Okay. They taste better, but they're smaller. So Other, I, I like, it's a trade-off. Little uh, sneak that I wanted to let people know. You know, if you listen to the pod, friend of the pod, with Gumbo Tuesday, really important that you get a fresh plastic gumbo because yes. they put all of the sausage at the top. Yeah. The gumbo is way better if you get the sausage, but if it's you're like halfway through a pot. There's almost no sausage left because all those greedy bastards, myself included, myself included, take all the sausage at the top. So yeah. just if you're interested in a uh, gumbo, keep that in mind. All right, that's it for this week. See you guys later. <laughs>